0: My dad was a great storyteller, and this is one of his stories, and I want you to know that even though I'm getting old, I do remember that I told this story before here. But it was on Christmas morning, this was five years ago, and there were very few people here, and those of you that were here, I'm hoping that you have forgotten that I told the story. So, in our little town where I grew up, Littlefield, Texas, there was a, a man who used to ride the rodeo circuit. And I say used to because he got injured. One of those Bronx uh, kicked him off and then he got kicked as he came down with a hoof and he got hit in his back and after a long time of, of surgery and rehab and everything, he came back from that accident, but he was never going to be the same. They could never quite fix his spine and so for the rest of his life, he was bent over like this. What do little towns do? Little towns take care of their own. Can I get an amen, huh? Little towns, they they look out for the people that grew up there. And so they found a job for him. This guy who used to ride the rodeo circuit, they found a job for him as a janitor in the school. So he would go around pushing the broom and cleaning the toilets and emptying the trash cans, doing all that menial work that needs to be done. But he didn't just do that work. He was a kind person. He was very open and and inviting, and and all the kids got to know him because they all passed through that little school system, and he he knew their names, he called them by names, and everybody loved this man. And when he died, oh, it was hard. They filled that uh, chapel of that uh, Holy Roller Church where he was a member. Now, it was real difficult on the funeral director. I don't mean to defend anybody, but can you imagine trying to get somebody bent over like this into a casket? And so, what do you do? I, you know, how do you get him flat in a casket? So the funeral director, he finally came up with a, a solution. He put a strap across his thighs and a strap across his chest so that they could close the lid of the casket. And the Holy Roller Preacher, he got to preaching. This man talking about all of his good works and, and how he had accepted Jesus as his Savior. And he knew that this man, if any man was going to, to rise again, that, that this man would. And he got down and he got behind that casket and he started pounding on that casket. He said, I believe, I believe that this man will rise again from the dead. And he kept pounding. Can I get amen? And he said, yes, everybody. <laughs> he will rise again. He will be resurrected from the dead. He kept pounding on that casket. Do you believe, do you believe that he will rise again? Said, yes, yes, they are. He pounded that casket, and then the strap broke across his chest. (laughs) And he rose up in the casket, and everybody cleared out of the church. (laughs) And we kids, we would ask my dad, we'd say, Dad, did that really happen? And he said, well, it could have. (laughs) We come to a story, we Christians, we who follow Christ, and we say that God became flesh. Did that really happen? Well, it could have. I mean, that's, that's the claim we're basing our lives upon, that Almighty God became like us, came as one of us, and now lives in us. God's presence in us, in Jesus, yes? We have the sermon series, An Altar in the World, and we've been looking at the Old Testament Scriptures about how God wanted to get near His people when they got... Released from bondage in, in Egypt. You just heard the prayer that we did over the baptism, how they were captives as slaves in Egypt and how they were led through the Red Sea and, and how the Lord God said, I want you to build for me a tabernacle. And, and that's just a big fancy word for tent, okay? God said, I want you to build me a mobile worship center <laughs> so I can go with you and be near you. Now, some people have a a, a theology and understanding of God as, as God is transcendent. That's a big fancy word for saying God is beyond our understanding, full of mystery, untouchable, unreachable, and that is certainly true. We will never be able to capture all about God. But I lean on the other side of the spectrum, and that big fancy word is incarnation, that God became flesh, a God that we can touch and feel, a presence of God, in us. That's, that's where my theology resides. I, I need a God who knows what I'm going through, <laughs> what, what we go through. I, I need this kind of God. You, you remember the story about the little boy who got scared, the, the, the storm came at night and there was thunder and lightning and the rain was pounding against his window and he, he gets out of his bed and he, he wanders into his, his parents' bedroom. I know this never happens anymore. And he goes and he tries to get into his parents' bed and, and the parents say, what's, what's wrong, son? He said, well, I'm scared. And the parents say to him, well, son, you know, we, we taught you that when you get scared that you can always pray to God. Go, go back to your bed. Go back to your room and, and, and pray to God. So a little boy leaves, and, and after a few more minutes, the storm's still pounding, and they find the little boy. He's trying to climb back in bed with him. He said, son, we, we told you to go back and, and, and pray to God. He said, I did. He said, but I need a God with skin on. That's the God I need, <laughs> a, a God with, with skin on. been reading this book, An Altar in the World, the the theme for this whole sermon series by Barbara Brown Taylor, and she said, skin is important. Skin is the way that uh, we connect to others. Tycoons and tykes. (laughs) Uh, Jesus touched lepers and widows. Enemies. And athletes, oh, I had to work in the Olympics here somewhere, right? Are y'all grooving on the Olympics like I am? Yeah. So, you know who this is? <laughs> Simone Biles. So Kathy and I, my wife and I, we watched the Olympics together and it's funny to me how we see different things in the Olympics. I, I'm going for statistics, like, you know, what was that split time, you know, when those swimmers turned around, or, you know, how, how much was this swimmer behind that other swimmer, or was that a world record for that sprinter, or was it simply an Olympic record, you know, th- those kinds of things I'm painting. And, and Kathy says, did you notice his shoes? <laughs> <laughs> Nadal, boy, I love his shoes. I mean, what, what did they do there? Spain, they really came out with the great tennis shoes there. So, I mean, and then Kathy, she always picks up on the backstories. Like Simone, do you know the story? I mean, look, 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 how many gold medals and and since what 2013 won all the you know world championships and just you know everything and. Uh, yeah. Everybody's saying, oh, you know, best female gymnast ever or whatever. You know, the little spark plug just, you know, can jump like 10 feet high or something. It's amazing. You know, every device, every, every event, you know, she just is the best. Gold medal. But she has skin on like you and I do. And when she was a little child, her mother had problems with drugs and Alcohol taken away from her mom with her siblings. And Simone's grandfather, Ron, and his wife, Nellie, after a process, got her out of the system, and they adopted Simone. And she had such energy, she'd just be bouncing around the house, and they were trying to find a way to channel that energy, and Simone would see these other people doing tumbles and flips and stuff, and they got her started with gymnastics and she found an expression for all of that energy and look where she is today (laughs) she has skin on just just like you and i do and this this is the god that i need a god with skin on like like we have i love what uh what the image is in the scripture passage in Ezekiel there are two different words for where god's dwelling is uh, god one says sanctuary god says my sanctuary will be in your midst right amongst us but the other word is dwelling place and i looked it up in hebrew cuz i know y'all love for me to do this and it said my dwelling place will be over you it will be Protection, what, what Megan was doing with the children, a covering for you. Can we see the picture in Rio de Janeiro? This reminded me of this. Huh? Well, look at Christ standing over not just Rio de Janeiro, but all of the world, all of us, and saying, I, I, You're under my care, under my arms, just like we did in baptism, parents and grandparents, uh, godparents, and this is what you're doing. You're saying, you We're the skin, we're the protection, we're covering you till you can pronounce your faith for yourself armor. This is the God I believe in, uh, that protection over us. That's what Ezekiel, that's what those Old Testament texts say, God's protection over us. God who comes in us, God's presence in us, I got to do a funeral this past week for a man I, I barely knew. I just got to know him through stories of others. A lawyer here in town, uh, his name is John Parker. His, his wife is a member here, and that's how I got in on it. And they were telling me a bunch of stories, and I got to put together some of those stories for his funeral on, on uh, Friday morning. He was a, a lawyer by, by hobby, okay? <laughs> he was a rancher by heart. <laughs> He was just an old cowboy, really. That's that's who he was. Uh, just loved to do trail rides and go out to the ranch and take care of his cows and keep the property up. Uh, but even this old cowboy, Marnie, his wife, was telling me this. She said, he was loyal to me, and when I got cancer, he loved me so much that he even tried cooking for me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is God's presence in us, that it... This this author Barbara Round Taylor in her book An Altar in the World said so many times we miss the presence of Christ because we don't even realize that we're standing on X marks the spot. <laughs> it's right there underneath our feet. It's right there in us, if we were just paying attention. I had uh, some holy moments uh, yesterday as we went over to Parker Lane United Methodist Church, and I'm going to connect this back to the Ezekiel passage. I, I didn't know till I picked up the commentaries. Y'all, y'all do need to know I prepare, okay, before coming in. And so I was reading the commentaries about Ezekiel, and I'd never noticed this before in all these years of ministry. It said this passage in Ezekiel was talking about God's vision for the future for His people to be reunited. I had forgotten this, that there was a northern kingdom called Israel and there was a southern kingdom called Judah and they had been separated for a long time. And Ezekiel's vision was that they would be reunited. It's a passage about being ecumenical. It's about a passage about inclusiveness, about welcoming all. Today at the Olympics, it would look like North and South Korea operating under the same flag, huh? Have you seen the selfies? Some, they're getting away with this a little bit there at the Olympics, uh, trying that. Um, for uh, uh, us Christians, it might mean Christians and Muslims uh, working together, huh? Uh, for us Christians, it might mean the Catholic and the Protestants all getting together. See, it, it's, you know, it's just Old Testament you know, scripture about God's desire for us of reuniting, of coming together. Uh, For us here in Westlake, it might mean going to Parker Lane United Methodist Church. I I looked it up. It's 8.1 miles from here, but it's a world apart. Amazing. Just on the other side of Interstate 35, West Austin and East Austin. We had a bunch of our folks go over there yesterday to work as as partners with that congregation. Not, we're the rich, powerful, all-knowing folks, but... uh, We want to be in community with you. And it was amazing. Misty's going to tell more in just a moment, but I'm going to tell just one little story here. Uh, Megan and I got to be the blessers. Okay, do you see the picture of us here? So after after the kids had gone through all the stations, they had gotten their backpacks and they'd gotten their school supplies and they'd gotten their health checks and they'd shopped for their clothes, they would come to Megan and me and, and Megan and I, we we would get down and we would bless the children. I try to call them by name. And you know, I would always ask, you know, what prayers are in your heart? And some... And, uh, mi abuela, my, my grandmother. A prayer for my grandmother, and and some for my my cousin. He has a court date on Monday, and uh, uh, you know, always, always it seemed like you know for the start of school. So there's this precious girl who came to me, and and I was asking. I said, uh, uh, "Tell me about school." She said, "Well, I start on Monday." I said, "Oh, oh, you start early?" She said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in a." I'm in a charter school, in, in middle school. And I said, and, and, and how do you feel about that? She said, well, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit sad. I'm going to be losing some of my friends, missing them, because I'm going to this, this charter school. I said, oh, oh yeah? And, and she said, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited also, because there's so many more opportunities at this school. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I said, well, you know, tell me more about that. She said, this is a sixth grader. She said, I'm going to be a cardiac thoracic surgeon. (laughs) A sixth grader said, I'm going to be a cardiac thoracic surgeon. I believe by God she will. (laughs) You know? Uh, That was a holy moment for me. Uh, This God (laughs) who gets in us, God's presence in us, offering this kind of hope. Uh, What difference does it make in your life to know God's presence in you? The good news I have to share with you is this. The Word became flesh and dwelt, lived. The Word literally is tabernacled amongst us. Amen.